0: Welcome to the Relentless Daring Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Morgan, and here we are engaged in the Relentless Daring Pursuit for Truth, Justice, and American Jackassery. Today we've got a big show. Uh, We're going to be talking about restoration of rights for felons, Uh, Joe Biden getting his history all twisted up on his uh, presidential announcement, and a defense of satire. And I like to start things off a little on the light side. So we're going to talk about uh, defensive satire. Uh, because here, a few days ago, Kate Smith came under fire because 88 years ago, she recorded a song in a Broadway musical called That's Why Darkies Were Born. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It sounds god-awful because... That's why darkies were born. But something we had to keep in mind. The song was uh, co-written by the son of a runaway slave. So if he's a runaway, if his dad's a runaway slave, I'm assuming that he was, you know, African American. And it was for a musical that was, I don't know a satire, a finger in the eye of Southern racists and white supremacists across the country. But it got out. She sang that song. Um, another song called pickin any heaven that was part of a movie. The thing is, uh, Actors really didn't have a whole lot of control and say over movies in the 1930s. If you had a movie contract, it may as well be written in blood and signed off on by the devil. Because you are not getting out of it. If they tell you to jump, you say how high as soon as they say action. So, yeah, it' very off-color, off-putting stuff, but... I don't know, the fact that, that social justice warriors are reaching back 80, 90 years to try to tear apart the a woman who sang, was considered one of the most iconic recordings of God Bless America. I, I guess they can't tear down the song, they're going to tear down the person. And that being said, please somebody, for the love of Pete get a hold of Mel Brooks and put him under lock and key before before they end up uh, going after him, or else, you know, we're going to lose Mel Brooks. He's one, one of the greatest satirists of all time. And because people are going to come after him because he had the audacity to write songs for musicals such as this. Yeah, he wrote a song called Springtime for Hitler. And it was used as a satire against the rise of the Nazi party in Germany and the rise of Hitler. So are we going to accuse a Jewish man who fought in World War II who helped liberate at least one concentration camp? Who dealt with his own battles of anti-Semitism of being called, you know, Jew boy, while in service to this country? I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, not to mention it's—it's it's a catchy song. You can you can't help but sing along to it. You know, what else are they going to come after him for? You know, are they going to come after him for this?
1: The Inquisition Let's, Let's begin The Inquisition Look out, Sam We have a mission To convert the Jews you, 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 We're going to teach them Wrong from right We're going to help them See the light
0: Oh my God, it's so offensive. But seriously, the whole point of satire is to use comedy, even if it's offensive, hateful, you know seemingly hateful com comedy and words to to make an impact on society. Uh, I mean, would lenny Br- what, what would comedy be like if Lenny Bruce hadn't had the audacity? come out on stage and you know use words that got him arrested for indecency or george Carlin's seven words that you can't see on tv or radio which i will not be repeating on this podcast but yeah you know, it's ridiculous to think that oh my god they were trying to be funny or to make a social point but they used bad language I mean Blazing Saddles is by far one of the best satire movies ever made. And if anyone were to come out and try saying that Mel Brooks was racist and anti, you know, you know, anti-African American because oh my god, the characters he created used the n-word. Yeah, it was also co-written by Richard Pryor. Now, I know some of the people who listen to this podcast are a little on the younger side, but if you Google Richard Pryor, you will see a handsome black man looking back at you. Well, at least, you know, prior to the freebasing incident, but you know, we won't go there. But and even then, they ran it in front of test audiences of of African Americans. Because they didn't want to come off as like they're trying to use the word just to stick it and stick it in the eye of everybody. Want to make sure they were using, uh, you know, the proper usage if there is such a way. And you know, black test audiences said, "Yeah, it's that's acceptable how they're using it as far as you know, contextually." And so many people, it's just. If you don't have common sense, you you just can't enjoy comedy. That's 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 why I'm that's why I'm starting to come to because now it's like all the comedy you see now is it's it's unfunny because it's all social justice driven. Oh my god, he's used the word retard. He's ableist. I mean, when did ableism become a thing? You, know, you can't make fun of someone for having a gimpy leg. You can't make fun of someone because yeah, they're a little slow. But I mean I mean and this is like a general context. Obviously, you know, picking out, you know, you know, you pull a Joe Biden, you know, telling a guy in the wheelchair, hey, stand on up that's you know, maybe not quite such a good thing, but you know, it's again that's Joe Biden being Joe Biden. And we will get to more of him later. All right, get ready to switch gears here. I'm currently working on trying to build some transition music. This is a little, you know, something to get us going between segments. But you know, a little slow. I spent my day putting new flooring into my recording studio slash family room. So if it seems a little echoey in here, yeah, that's why. There's no longer carpet. It's now, linoleum that looks like hardwood. And it was an all day affair. So, Neil said to be able to sit down and record makes me happy. All right, next up on the agenda restoration of felon rights. This has been something that's been coming up, but more specifically voting rights. Oh, Felons need to be able to vote. Felons need to be able to vote. You know, Pete Buttigieg said it. Bernie Sanders, he wants people who are still in prison to be able to vote. You know, so on and so forth. But I've done some looking, and the National Conference of State Legislators has a really good uh, article about it. For restoration of voting rights for felons. It has been common practice in the United States to make felons ineligible to vote, in some cases permanently. Over the last few decades, the general trend has been toward reinstating the right to vote at some point. Although this is a state-by-state policy choice. See recent state action below for a chronology. And, you know, I'm not entirely opposed. I mean... When you send somebody to prison for a felony, you're essentially giving them a timeout from society because they were not able to, you know, get along with their neighbors. Um, They made some bad choices concerning uh, controlled substances, what have you. Um, You know, background on me, my dad. Uh, he served three years in prison for involuntary manslaughter, a felony in the state of Missouri. Does that make him a bad person because he made some bad choices that, you know, had very dire consequences? No. And should he be permanently disenfranchised? I don't think so. But, you know, looking at this, you know, a lot of the Democrats who are going on and on about restoring voting, voting rights to felons. I've counted up, uh, where, you know, the, the current law, as far as, you know, who allows felons to vote. We have two States that never lose the right to vote, Maine and Vermont. Hmm. Bernie standard state. What a surprise. um, Then, you know, get into, you know, lost, only while incarcerated, automatic restoration after release. D.C., Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Montana, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Utah. You know, lost until completion of sentence. Basically, you got a 10-year felony sentence, you did five, then you're released on good behavior. And you still have five years of checking with a PO and keeping your nose clean. You know, you got 1, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. 22 states that upon the full completion of your of your adjudicated time, you can vote again. Then, you know, oh, lost until completion of sentence in some states, a post-sentencing waiting period, additional action required for restoration. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 2, 3, 10, 11, 12. So, I, if you do the math, uh, there's actually, that makes 48, 48 states. And the District of Columbia, so 47 in the district. So that means there's only three states where you still have a complete loss of felon voter rights. You know, and many of these states in their uh, voter rights laws or their, uh, their reinstatement laws, they do have caveats, you know. If you're convicted of a sex crime, permanent disenfranchisement. If you, you know, commit one felony or you're convicted of one felony sentence, you can, you know, have your rights reinstated. But if you're convicted of a second felony upon release, then you face permanent disenfranchisement. And, you know... And this is a lot of the common sense stuff that you know you know Republicans can get behind because obviously you know, if you have people who are habitual lawbreakers who are going to constantly be in you know in the system, there's no real need to worry about them being re enfranchised. And if you have those people who they have the, you know, nonviolent offenders, you know, they had they had a you know, a substance abuse problem got picked up with you know pills that weren't theirs or a small amount of controlled substance you know meth cocaine crack marijuana whatever and then they're released back into society but they've gotten clean or they're at least making the effort to stay clean and they they can be allowed to vote again you know and then in some states Depending on uh what the crime is, you actually have to, you know, petition a court and say, this is what I went went for. You know, I've kept my nose clean. I've you know been on my best behavior, I'm working, you know, trying to support my family, and you know, it's up to a court to adjudicate, yes, you may vote. Which I don't have a problem with that. You know, if people are trying to become actively involved in society again, let them vote. And if you're going to let them vote, if they're a nonviolent offender, let them have their gun rights. Yeah, I said it. Let's get rid of that little bit of federal legislation that says if you are convicted of any felony... You cannot possess or purchase a firearm. Because there there are people who, you know, up until, you know, whatever it is they went to jail for, they're nonviolent people. They're people who have lived, you know, off of subsistence hunting and, you know, they make a bad decision or they're in the wrong place, the wrong time with the wrong people. And suddenly they find themselves, they're no longer able to, you know, have a firearm. So now, you know, you know, if they're in a place with with high crime, they can't defend themselves effectively. Again, if they're subsistence hunter, uh, now they're they go to you know people like you know like up in alaska you have a lot of subsistence hunting you know you have people you know who now they can't go out and provide for their families and get meat for the winter so i mean i think it's ridiculous if we're going to have a conversation about restoring one set of rights to felons why not restore all the rights to felons let them be able to carry a firearm Granted, if they were again convicted of murder, you know, if they were uh, convicted of armed robbery, you know, stuff like this, obviously, okay, you're you don't play well with guns, you're not getting yours back. And again, that is that is a fair conversation to have. So why we're not having it, I don't know. All right, we're going to get into our final subject for the evening. Mr. Joe Biden has entered the 2020 race. Uh, Last week, he made his announcement via video on on the social medias. And I've got about a minute and a half of it where i've got some concerns about it and so i'm going to play that here and i'm going to go over the things that i've noticed
1: charlottesville virginia is home to the author of one of the great documents in human history we know it by heart we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. We've heard it so often, it's almost a cliche, but it's who we are. We haven't always lived up to these ideals. Jefferson himself didn't, but we have never before walked away from them. Charlottesville is also home to a defining moment for this nation in the last few years. It was there in August of 2017 we saw Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis come out in the open. Their crazed faces, illuminated by torches, veins bulging, and bearing the fangs of racism. Chanting the same anti-Semitic bile heard across Europe in the 30s. And they were met by a courageous group of Americans. And a violent clash ensued. And a brave young woman lost her life. And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. So as you can
0: guess, there are two key things there. Old gropy Joe got wrong on that. Uh, the first I want to address is the fact that he mentions that Thomas Jefferson didn't live up to his own ideals as far as l- we are endowed by our creators with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. First of all, in the Declaration of Independence, one of the original drafts, there is an entire paragraph ripping, King George, a new a-hole over the fact that the colonists had been trying through what representation they had in the British Parliament to end the British slave trade. And that King George would not do it. Thomas Jefferson went off. On King George. Saying how is a Christian king. Allowing this to happen. Thomas Jefferson was one of the people. Who wanted to end slavery. Uh, at the time of George Washington's death. George Washington had it in his will. That his slaves would be freed. However there was a lot of people. In the Virginia common you know, in the Virginia House and the Virginia government period who were slave owners. And so they did things even after the adoption of the Constitution and the end of the, you know, in 1789 that they would go through and they would block loopholes that would allow slave owners to be able to free their slaves. Uh, One of the things they did was they put in a stipulation that in order to free your slaves upon death you had to be debt free. George Washington when he died was debt free and was able to will freedom to his slaves. Thomas Jefferson was not debt free and so that he was not able he was not able to free his slaves as much as he wanted to. And that was one of the things that he dealt with. You know, even in the writing of the Constitution, the three fifths clause or three fifths compromise, whatever you want to call it, that counted individual slaves as three fifths of a person, it was not a valuation on what slaves meant as people. It was in order to keep the south from attaining an and a ridiculous amount of power through the house with representation you know because the house is population based when they determine you know how many congressmen each state has so northerners are like they knew if the south was able to count slaves as whole people we would still uh, I don't think we would still have slavery today. However, slavery would have lasted a lot longer than it had. And it would have been a much, much more difficult institution to get rid of. The second thing where... This is in multiple things. It talks about the uh, Donald Trump's response to Charlottesville. First of all, the... No, the equivalent, the equivocation where Donald Trump said, Oh, there were, there were, there were good people on both sides. That was more of the, he was just, if you go back and you look at the context of the speech from, let me pull it up here, because I actually went back and read it. whether it's on all right, this is from mm-hmm, from August 15th of 2017. Now that's his follow-up statement or if you read his actual statement from the 12th. But if you as far as the line of there were, you know good people on both sides. If you get into the context of what he said at that press conference, he was talking about peaceful protesters who were there saying the Robert E. Lee statue should stay up for the historical context. People can come see the statue of Robert E. Lee and go, you know, this is a you know great general, great leader he chose the wrong side and they have a conversation about how robert e lee was wrong and about the things robert e lee did after the war to help rebuild and reconstruct the south because despite his failings and being you know being a traitor to the united states once the war was over he w- actually worked really hard Towards educating newly freed slaves, but anyways, I digress. And the, the obviously there were people who were nonviolent protesters saying they should tear down the statue because you know there is no there is no context that would allow for uh, a memorial to a traitor, to a slave owner, to someone who fought on the side of the war that wanted to maintain slavery in perpetuity should they win yeah you know, that's the context that he was speaking of and, and another thing is that you know the violence the violence that happened Yes, there were the white supremacist neo-Nazi asshats who were there with you know axe handles, with baseball bats, ready to either attack or defend themselves. I really don't know. I wasn't there. I, I don't agree with anything they have to say. However, they do have a right to say it. Because freedom of speech, it's a thing. If you don't like it, go somewhere in the world that does not have freedom of speech and show any dissent towards whatever society you're living in and see what happens. And normally, if you see a KKK rally or any other white supremacist rally, you have counter protesters who are shouting shouting back at them singing hymns at them but allowing them to state their peace however in this incident when people talks about talk about oh he there's moral equivocation because there was violence from the other side yeah they were called antifa uh, Donald Trump and he referred to them as the alt left you know I think it's a I Uh, I I think the whole alt this alt right alt left thing is kind of a misnomer because in American politics the right is conservative libertarian more you know moving further and further away from state from state control the left the farther left you go the more and more towards state control you are when you start saying alt-right alt-left that's getting more into the european things where you know during the french revolution the people who sided with the king would line up on a certain side of the certain side of a tennis court and people who more identified with the the commoners get on the other side it's it, it, it's a mess that's, if you really don't look into it, it's hard to understand. But, because either way, whether it's, you know, the neo-Nazis, whether it's the Antifa people showing up and violently shutting down free speech, both sides are proponents of the state. When they say alt-right in America, there is nothing, you know, an alternate path towards freedom from government intervention. They believe highly in the state segregating and giving out rights towards the people they want to have rights. Uh, Listen to an interview with Dick Spencer and he will tell you the exact same thing rights are not a best, are not bestowed on the people by by whatever creator they hold dear rights are bestowed on the people by the government therefore the government can also take them away if need be so i don't know with joe biden coming out in this announcement and being way off base on Both Thomas Jefferson and Donald Trump's response, even though Donald Trump's response on day one was a clear and concise. I've got the article here of all places on Vox. I'm going to read word for word what Donald Trump said on the 12th of August, 2017. Quote we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred bigotry and violence on many sides on many sides it's been going on for a long time in our country not Donald Trump not Barack Obama this has been going on for a long long time it is it has no place in america End quote. Yes, he did say violence on many sides. But he also condemned the hatred and the bigotry that was on display from the white supremacists. He also condemned the Antifa crowd who came in and came in, you know, axe handles swinging, you know, looking to start a riot they started a riot they got what they wanted and it cost a woman her life for no reason you know and i'm not even saying that the woman who died was part of the antifa crowd as far as i know she was just a counter protester to the crazy ass neo-nazis and if she died and all that came out of it was her was her death being used as a political football, then there is no greater death in vain than that. Well, that that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Thank you again for tuning in. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, go over to Patreon, search for Relentless Daring. Please support me there. That way I can work on Using your patronage to go towards getting better software, better equipment, and just generally improving what I need for the podcast to help help make it better for you all, the listeners. Again, I'm available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Podbean, on Apple iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Please get this out here. Share it with your friends who maybe they think like you. Maybe they think a little bit different, but they're willing to listen to an argument. Please get it out there. Also, check me out on the social medias. Yeah, You can find me on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Morgan65536. Uh, the podcast Twitter is at RelentlessDairy1. D-A-R-I-1 don't ask i'm pretty sure that it's just too many characters for their for their handles for it to have it be at relentless daring i don't know it it be what it be also you can check me out on facebook i have a facebook page up now you can search on facebook uh, facebook.com slash relentless daring you can find me there and you can message me tell me what you like tell me what you don't like uh I'm I'm counting on you all to help me make this better. Please, please, please give me some feedback. Most of all, thank you for listening and folks, stay relentless.